When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Well, Realistic Randy, it was bound to happen eventually. For the first time, we have a... a Sad Monday to talk about here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. This is Realistic Randy Rants with my guy Realistic Randy. I'm Declan Goff. You can uh, find these every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Uh, Randy, I already voiced my opinions to Mackie and Jetta. I'll, I'll share that with you here in a little bit after I hear your opening rant. But uh, after mm-hmm. kind of taking about 20, 20 some hours or so after the ass kicking that was uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium from the Dallas Cowboys. What was your takeaway from that? Or was it just an ass kicking? What, 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 what did you see there? So last night's game was, in my experience as a Vikings fan, the third time that this happened. 2000 NFC Championship game, 41 donut. That's the first year that I became a Vikings fan. Uh-huh. And I said, it's okay. It's all right. It's only going to get better. 2017 NFC Championship game, 38 to 7. Boy, I was hot. Seething. Heated raging are you kidding me expletives all over the place that i won't say on this channel (laughs) and then last night i don't know if i've evolved into a third stage of vikings fandom where i watched that game and i said okay i I guess this is just our destiny doesn't matter what players are on the team doesn't matter who the head coach is and i tell you what watching that game last night it made me think of a movie that came out in 2009 drag me to hell if you have never seen it or never heard of it, congratulations, of it. you're winning, okay? <laughs> okay. I went out and saw it in theaters, okay? It's a horror movie or a comedy, horror, mm-hmm. whatever the hell it is. I said, all right, they promoted oh, yeah. the hell out of it. It looked like it was going to be good. I said, I'm going to go check this out. Okay. Declan got that movie was so bad from the <laughs> jump. And I convinced myself that just stick around. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And right. then after about an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes, a goat got possessed and started talking and trying to curse the people all across the earth. In which that point I said, I've had enough. I'm done. I walked out of that theater. That brings me to last night. The only reason I did not turn that game off after the Tony Pollard 68 yard catch and run touchdown score. The only reason I did not turn that game off last night is because what we're doing right now. We're content creators. We cover the Vikings. We have to talk about this team. Last night, it was so embarrassing. TJ Hawkinson, back-to-back drop passes. You know what? After the Week 2 game, when Irv Smith Jr. dropped that catch for what? 
probably would have resulted in a touchdown. When we traded for Hawkinson, I said, don't got to worry about that anymore. We are good. Back-to-back drops, are you kidding me, right in the hands? Badly beat in the trenches. There, there was nowhere you could look at on this team and say, okay, we're good. At least this is something we can look forward to in the future. It was bad all around. And we're going to get into the nitty-gritty as far as the specifics I have for both offense and defense as far as what needs to change for the rest of this season. I'm going to chalk this up to things happen. They're going to get better. Seven games left until the playoffs go. But that was such a letdown. And I don't care. I get that we've been talking about the media and the lack of respect that we have gotten on the Vikings side. And to some degree, if you want to be embarrassed as far as what they're going to say about you now, that's fine. I don't give a damn about that. You should be embarrassed for yourselves as a team. That was embarrassing. I mean, you had fans travel out from wherever the hell to come watch oh, yeah. you play. And you, the performance that we saw last night, is like you don't belong on the football field. You don't belong on your own field at U.S. Bank Stadium. You got owned. You got punked last night by the Dallas Cowboys. So I, I, I don't think the sky is falling. I think things are certainly going to get better. We Don't forget, we can't pretend that the Vikings also did not just beat the Buffalo Bills on the road the week prior to that. That's a damn good team. However, we have an important game on Thursday night, Thanksgiving, to where, okay, who is this team really? Are they the team that beat Buffalo, or are they the team that got embarrassed by the Dallas Cowboys last night? Yeah, they, they were literally, I like your metaphor of uh, from that horrible Justin Long movie of Drag Me to Hell. Um, yeah, they were, they, were, they, were, they were drugged to hell. I've seen bits, and now that I, I just like read briefly the Wikipedia summary, I was like, oh, I've seen this mm. like on TV, and I haven't seen it start to finish, but I, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was an ass-kicking. It stinks. I think every, every good team, Takes one on the chin every once in a while, like you're, unless you go like fifteen and one, and or you're the sixteen and zero Patriots who end up losing in a Super Bowl. Like every team is going to take somewhere something on the chin, um, and if it for me, I think how I'm looking at it, if it happens, you know, in, in week week ten, week eleven against the Dallas Cowboys, okay, that's the one you took one on the chin. I'd rather have it happen in that moment than you know how you lost to the Forty ers in the divisional round a few years ago, or to your point, how you lost the NFC title game to Philly or to New Orleans or to New to New York when we were younger. Um, I don't look at it as this is now this, the sky is falling and this is now the new season. And Oh my God, the train's going to come off the tracks. You took one on the chin. It stinks. Now, how do you respond? How do you go out and play Bill Belichick against also another really, really good defense? I know that offense is pretty, pretty putrid. They didn't score a single point yesterday in that debacle against the jets where the jets won basically on, on a last second punt return touchdown. But that's still a really good defense. It's against the best coach of all time. I I can forget, for the most part, everything that happened yesterday on Sunday against a Mike McCarthy-led Dallas Cowboys team. If you go out and you respond appropriately and in the right ways against Bill Belichick on short rest, still in your own home building, by the way. Like, if the Vikings had to travel to New England for this, I would probably be sweating this a little bit more. That would stink, right? You're probably be playing in the cold. It's going to be windy. Um, how do you respond there? You're still at home. You can still make up for this. So, yeah, it was a bad loss in terms of just um, morale, like to your point. I wasn't uh, as heated against the—I don't know why I wasn't as heated against the Eagles in the NFC title game. I, I don't know why. I was more heated really? against the Saints. I wasn't that heated. I, I, I don't understand why I wasn't that heated. I was depressed for sure. You sat there just <clears throat> willy-nilly yeah, during I, that game. Wow. I, uh, I thought everything was going to be fine up until 
uh, the last play of the first half when Alshon Jeffrey hauled in the, and I was like, oh crap, now it's over. I, I, I even, I was seconds before that play, I said, just go into the half like this, and actually, I think you'll be fine. You'll be, you'll be able to rally. And then that Alshon Jeffrey play happened, and I was like, okay, I'm just depressed now. Um, but I wasn't that angry. But yesterday was that, you know, just sitting and sulking and just having to watch all that. Yeah, that stunk. But I think long term, this doesn't define the Vikings. This is just a, this is a blip on the radar. And I think they'll get better. I think they'll get back on Thursday against New England. Well, you got to make adjustments. So the specifics I have on offense and defense. I want to start with defense. Okay. I don't know why, coincidentally, we've had the same problem the previous two years and why it's repeating itself right now. I want to know, and I understand that big picture, I'm just a layman here. I don't understand football like the coaching staff. And I'm coming at it from the standpoint of there was a time that I would raise all holy hell and I'd be raging. I'm not doing that. This is all respect. What is the benefit of having your corners play seven yards off their man pre-snap? And what makes it more infuriating is that they'll do it every single down, second and short, third and short. To get the first down, six, seven yards off, that's okay. That's easy money for the receivers every single time. You don't have the right, if you're Ed Donatel, to act shocked. You have to make adjustments. And then furthermore, why don't this team dial up more blitz packages? I looked this up on Pro Football Reference. The Minnesota Vikings have the seventh fewest blitz attempts league-wide. That's unacceptable. How do you continue to not blitz? So you're playing far off in the secondary, unless it's Patrick Peterson. Apparently you had to give him the green light to do that. I guess it's okay for you to do that, but everyone else, stand back. And you don't blitz at all, so there's no pressure, unless Zadarius Smith or Daniil Hunter can get after him by themselves. There's no pressure, and the quarterback, they have their receivers to go to right out the gate. They can do those long developing plays. If you don't make any changes, because this is one of those situations, both on offense and defense. I'm going to talk about offense in just a second. This is one of those situations to where it finally caught up with you. When you get into the playoffs, what we saw last night, that's a team that you're likely going to go up against. Yeah. And if you're able to get through that first round into the playoffs, you got to face that same type of team again and again. And unless you get the one seed, you make it to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to do it all over again. Okay. How are you going to respond? Because what we saw last night, hopefully that's a gut check to say, okay, we need to do a real self-evaluation to where we can never let this happen again. Go ahead. I was going to say, from the defensive side, what's so probably staggering about that statistic is, you know, Zadaria Smith, I think, came in the game, what, first in pressure rate or first in in pressures against quarterbacks. Daniil was like ninth. Um, They've done a really good job at dialing up pressures, but to your point, it's, it's from just traditional formations it's not from finding you know ways to be aggressive and blitzing and obviously when you blitz you're gambling that you know you hopefully won't get burned uh on the shell coverage front you know I, right the donatel's thought process there is all right we don't have as deep and as good enough pass defenders and 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 defensive backs and safeties where we trust that we're going to limit a big play so we'll sacrifice some of that but then we'll give you that we'll give you space right we'll give you space to Make a reception and run for six or seven. Well, then it's death by a thousand paper cuts. And then when you when you get someone like Tony Pollard, who is a baller, like I I, I didn't really know much about Tony Pollard until yesterday. Dude's really damn good. Now I I don't believe that this is where again I just think it's a blip on the radar. That dude ran all over the place, right? Like 190 all-purpose yards between rushing and receiving. He 
burn Jordan Hicks on a wheel route, for God's sakes. Um, I, I just don't think that that's sustainable, and I don't think that that's cause for panic. Is the Vikings' defense really good? Is it legit? No. But is it passable, and can they do things well enough for this team to win football games and to be a Super Bowl team? I think it can when it's playing it to its right potential. Uh, but this Donatel defense is kind of this shaky feeling where you had these guys playing off, and then what I've never understood, and, and I'm to your, I'm with you, Randy, here that I, I'm not going to try to learn the X's and O's of film breakdown. I'm not going to try to also question uh, another man's football ability when yours truly never played football. What I've never understood, there was a play deep in the red zone early in the game. The Cowboys threw it. I don't know if it was the CD Lamb, but they're targeting Booth, obviously, all game long, right? So they, they threw it behind the line of scrimmage, and... You're you're going right at him. So you're Andrew Booth. You're going right at him. Why do we go low? Why 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 are we go, why don't you wrap him up? I don't ever understood the whole thing of I'm gonna now try to chomp the tree down. It's like, dude, wrap him up. You got a you got a straight beeline at him. Yeah, like is he shaky and is he elusive and he's an athlete? Of course he is. But why are you limiting your your chance of trying to tackle him by going low? So there's there's a lot of things I think with that defense that. Just really make you scratch your head and probably, you know, twist up your paper getting really frustrated trying to trying to watch every Sunday. Too often, Andrew Booth Jr., the last two games, Dallas and Buffalo last week, he's been left on an island. He can't cover and he can't tackle. Talking about coaching, this is a change you can make right now. The only reason that I can see the Vikings justifying continue playing this man is because he's a second round pick. So kind of like the Rick Spielman era. Well, we drafted this guy yep. high. He has to play, play him. Damn it. What, play Duke Shelley. My God, at least he <laughs> made a play in Buffalo yeah. last week. Andrew Booth Jr. has shown nothing to suggest, and certainly he can get better, but it was just infuriating to watch him play so far off, can't tackle, can't cover. He's a liability, but yet they continue to do the same damn thing. And then on offense, okay. I think for most of this season, the Vikings, they have had the benefit of the scripted drive to work with. The scripted drive, they can march up the field, first possession, they score a touchdown. And then after that, the play calling gets dicey. But you know what? You're still up 7 nothing, or you get a field goal later on. 10-3, 10-7, whatever, it's still a close game to work with, to where the defense can still be somewhat energized for the rest of the game. And then you figure it out later offensively towards the end of the third quarter going into the fourth. Well, that scripted drive, you didn't have that because the first drive was the sack fumble. So you started behind the eight ball immediately. And guess what? The lackluster play calling continued the rest of that game. The in-game adjustments needs to be there. At least, at least Pat Shermer. And actually, you know what? Before I even bring him up, what was so infuriating last night is because you had no time to work with on the offensive line. It doesn't mean it's over with. You can still... Let's get rid of the ball quickly. And far too often, they stuck with the game plan of long developing yeah. routes, plays that requires time, but you don't have time. And my God, at one point, they did a play action under center. You don't have any time to work with, yeah. and you're surprised that he got sacked. <laughs> Why don't you make any changes? Which brings up the point of Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer, offensive coordinator in 2016. This was after North Turner left, got fired. What I don't know what the hell happened there. Pat Shermer at least recognized the offensive line is not working here. Let's get rid of the ball quickly for a quarterback like Sam Bradford, who does have injury issues in his career. Let's get rid of the ball quickly. And guess what? You finish eight and eight, not a successful year, right. but you made the most of it. Sam Bradford that season set the all time 
completion rate in a single season that year anyway. I think Drew Brees broke it the year after that. Why? Get rid of the ball quickly. Why couldn't you do that? Let's do slants. Let's do screen passes. Let's do whatever we can to counter this pass rush. As long as we can get the ball to our playmakers, you still have great playmakers out there. As long as we can get it to them, it's going to be more of a requirement for them to get yards after the catch and make things happen more than they normally do outside of, okay, go deep, intermediate routes. That's not available today. But they stuck with it. They stuck with the, okay, long developing routes. We're good. We're good. And what's really disappointing is Kevin O'Connell. Okay, we have yet to see that quality play calling from start to finish. We have yet to see that. And especially last night, we forget, I forget anyway, you have Kevin O'Connell and you you have Wes Phillips in tandem to work with, to say, okay, let's figure this out. And y'all both came together and said, what we're doing right now in this game against Dallas, we're getting our asses kicked. Let's keep doing the same damn thing. Are you kidding me? So if you keep doing that, guess what? You're going to make it to the playoffs. But the peak of your success this season, one and done in the playoffs. It felt a lot like a DeFilippo offense to me. You know, I know you brought up Shermer and, and, and it felt, but it felt like, um, it felt like the DeFilippo thing where it was like it was seven and five, seven step drops. It was waiting for Kirk and he's rolling out. He can't feel the pressure. And hell, maybe, um, and this is, this is the weird part where it's kind of a conundrum. Maybe Kirk is getting so used to not being pressured that he wasn't ready for the pressure. Like he wasn't ready to expect Micah Parsons to be behind him. Now, I, I would assume when you're game planning for one of the best defensive players in the NFL and Micah Parsons that, and, and a deep def- defense in general that has playmakers and get after the quarterback, you probably should have been aware of that. Um, but it was pretty mind-blowing watching them continually going to these 5-7 drops, knowing also, by the way, that Dallas has not been able to stop the run at all. And Dalvin was cooking up a pretty nice day, and they kind of abandoned that early on. It just, I thought it was a very clunky performance from KOC. And what I was having another just conundrum with that I explained to Mackie and Judd today was, I kind of want to give Mike McCarthy some of the benefit of the doubt that he's won a Super Bowl and he's coached, you know what, probably 200, 300, whatever it is, NFL games. But it's also Mike McCarthy, and he's kind of a dummy. And he even calls a timeout that gets you review. And and Kevin O'Connell couldn't come cook up enough stew to make Mike McCarthy not look like a buffoon that he usually is. Uh, so I, I thought it was probably his worst game as a coach. And obviously he probably would tell you that too on his short resume as, as the head coach of the Vikings. Because um, at least in the Philly game, you had opportunities to come back in that. And also there was times where you were on the doorstep and Kirk just had a couple really bad throws that melted things down. This was a complete butt whooping from start to finish. Um, and did you, because you were obviously watched this out of market, it changed the channel for you, right? It, it, it didn't see, did CBS change the channel for you? No, see, I have Sunday ticket. Okay. So I watched it off of the broadcast. So I watched that game from start to finish i even saw nick mullins come in oh boy it got to the point where i just said okay i can't turn the game off because i have to talk about this team but i can start getting ready for the video that i did last night ahead of time (laughs) my goodness after i don't know if this was after the i think this was after the second zeke touchdown to where the cowboys went up 37 to 3 i think this was in the third quarter to which i said my god there's still a quarter and a half of this game left to go are you kidding me? But beyond the play calling, this is on the head coach, Kevin O'Connell. You 
nobody on your team was prepared. The coaching staff, the players, nobody. The only individuals that showed up to really put their hearts out there were the fans yep. and the, the staff that put the field together and the con- concession stands. Everybody else but the damn team showed up, and that's embarrassing. You can never let that happen again. That's why the silver lining in all of that is you are now forced to do a self-evaluation to where you say, okay, because all the problems we saw last night, it was a problem this entire season, but the Vikings, they were 8-1. and one. So it's okay. We're still winning yeah. games. Who the hell cares? This now forces you, I'm hoping, best case scenario, to say, okay, we have to address this head on, all the issues we saw last night. How can we change that to where it never happens again? Otherwise, if you go into the next game, especially against the Patriots, we'll talk about that in just a second. If you go into the next game and the game after that and the game after that, the rest of the year doing, we're just going to keep doing the same old Vikings football. Scripted drive. Yeah, you know yeah. what? A little bit dicey play calling and maybe get wins. This season is going to turn into a disaster, meaning that you didn't go as far as you could have. And that's going to be a major letdown. Absolutely. Yeah, let's get into this uh, little preview of the of the Vikings-Patriots game on Thanksgiving and why it's a must-win. By the way, uh, Realistic Randy Rants and Purple Daily, sponsored by our friends at Park Tavern, a new uh, sponsor here on Purple Daily. They have some of the best wings in town. They got some great bowling. They have event centers. They have TVs. They're even going to be opening on Thanksgiving. So maybe if you're trying to avoid the family or you need to get out of the house because you're, you're so sick of your crazy uncles and aunts and cousins talking God knows what, Go check out Park Tavern. It's off Highway 7 in Louisiana in St. Louis Park. Great selection of food. Great selection of fun. Awesome set of TVs to go watch Vikings games. Go check out Park Tavern. Shout out to them for helping sponsor uh, Score North and Purple Daily. Yeah, Randy, this is now a bounce-back win and and a must-win for the Vikings. And, you know, Patriots are still a good defense. Um, Mac Jones, I don't trust. They didn't score, we said off the top, they didn't score a single offensive point yesterday in their weird loss. The Jets just a field goal. Um, was their only points, I believe, that they scored right yesterday. So they, they haven't shown that that offense can score. But, hell, that's a good defense. Like, if you thought it was going to get easier here, they got the Jets, they have the Patriots. There's a lot of good tests that they can prove that they can bounce back from. Now, I think the bad news here, and maybe we'll just start with the bad, is you're going to be without Christian Derrissaw probably even for the next few games. Um, I know they'll have a, you know, they won't play this weekend. I would even be shocked if he suits up for the Jets game uh, the first week of December at this point. He might be able to be cleared by that, but I wouldn't bank on it. So you're without your starting tackle in Christian Derrissaw, and I know Blake Brandle got you know chewed up pretty good by Michael Parsons after Derrissaw went out. Uh, but can you still rebound and can you still limit those pressure rates without Christian Derrissaw? I think that would be maybe the one cause for concern, and if that leaky performance from Dallas maybe continues into the Patriots game. Well, you've... You're going up against Matt Judon. So you go from Micah Parsons to Matt Judon. He's going to be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year along with Micah Parsons. And, yes, we can – I can sit here and say, Blake Brandle, oh, my God, this is a disaster. But the offensive line last night as a whole was pathetic. Nobody showed up to play. In this game, you say you think Mike McCarthy is a buffoon. Well, now you go from that, making Mike McCarthy look like Jesus – to now you're going up against Bill Belichick, the Patriots, their defense, top five total defense, top five against the pass, number two in scoring defense. You go from a guy like Mike McCarthy to the greatest coach of all time. And again, I'm saying this with all due respect. I think Kevin O'Connell is, I think he's a great leader. 
I think he is the perfect guy. I mean, I guess even after what we saw last night, I think he's the perfect guy to get players ready to play. I think last night was a one-off. I will give him that. But the X's and O's behind him is still to be determined. The jury is still out. And you're going up against the greatest coach of all time to where if you're playing checkers against a guy who is playing chess, you're going to get embarrassed again on a short week, even though they've got a guy like Mac Jones. And I don't think he's a good football player at all. Belichick, he knows how to win in any way, shape or form possible, whether it's great when he has Tom Brady or goodness, they made it to the playoffs last year with Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. They can win in any way, shape or form. So if you go out there and you have that stinker, if you don't have the scripted, in fact, plan on the scripted drive not working out. Okay, just plan. It's going to be a failure, three and out, whatever. What are you going to do after that? You've got to get better in your play calling. And Ed Donatel, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this guy against Buffalo. My goodness, Patrick Peterson, he had a great game. But Ed Donatel, if you're going to not blitz and still have your corners play off, not name Peterson, at, at some point, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you are the head coach. You are responsible for this whole damn team. At some point, you have to say, Ed, whatever you're doing, do the exact opposite or maybe we need to make a change here. Yeah. And I just feel like this whole culture thing that they're building up, I don't know if he's going to do that. You know, it's actually weird because I think the in terms of the sides of the ball that have the capability to bounce back, I actually think the defense has more of a capability and a case to make that they can bounce back because the Patriots' offense is so bad, right? Um, you know, I think they're also without starting offensive linemen, so they're banged up there. You know, the right now the, the over-under... Um, on this game, the let's see here, the Vikings are three point favorites. I don't have the over under in front of me right now, but I think it was forty three as of yesterday when when the lines first started opening. So it's probably going to be a little like if the Vikings can get to twenty one points, I would probably take their chances to win. Right, if whoever got to twenty one first probably wins this game. I don't think the Patriots have enough offense to dial up to get to twenty one points, but I do think because it's a second year QB and Mac Jones, who is obviously not as good as we maybe thought he was from his rookie year. I think the Vikings defense can make life hell for him. It's going to be loud at U.S. Bank Stadium. He's never played there before. And yes, of course, he has the ultimate wild card in his background that Bill Belichick is his head coach, probably the greatest NFL coach of all time. But I actually think I like the Vikings defensive chances of bouncing back and limiting Mac Jones. And then can the offense basically do enough? Like, can they, it's not like the, I don't expect the Vikings offense to light things up and Jefferson goes for, you know, 10 catches, 190 yards again. Can they figure out a way to get to 17, 20 points or so? And I think the Vikings probably win the game. I like the Vikings' defensive chances to probably bounce back against New England. On a blank slate, yes. I guess the one thing I will say, devil's advocate, and I hate doing this because I really would just brush this off no matter what. But after what we saw last night, I got to say it. It's going to be on national TV. Yeah. I thought, okay, we have new head coach. Things are changing now. That old Vikings, it's over with. We're in a new age now. It's on national TV, Thanksgiving. Everybody's going to be watching prime time as well. So if you can't generate pressure, and it doesn't matter who you are at quarterback, if you're not going to face pressure, okay, if your offensive line can protect, and if your receivers have all the cushion in the world to make plays, any quarterback can look good against this team. That's why the point differential now, even though the Vikings, they're eight and two, the overall point di- differential for the Vikings is minus two. That's insane. <laughs> Every game they've played has essentially come down to the wire, regardless of who's been at quarterback. 
play Vikings football, not even that, make adjustments, play new Vikings football, be aggressive in the play calling, take what the defense gives you if you're Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips and draw up a blitz once in a while, play press. Because if you're not, then what we saw last night can happen again. I don't think it will, but it's this is a must-win game for Minnesota on Thursday. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk about bounce-back candidates, and I know his stats haven't been great this year, and he's led two fourth-quarter comebacks in the last three games. Um, but here's Kirk Cousins' stats uh, in the last three. So Washington, Buffalo, Dallas. Uh, three touchdowns, three picks, a quarterback rating of 73.9, which is awful, by the way. Like, that is horrible. Um, completion percentage is 56%. You know, I think, I think that's what the one area of Kirk where I've been a little surprised. It's not the fact that it's like touchdowns and passer rating have fallen off a little bit. Cause I just think sometimes those can be a little skewed. It's his accuracy. Like 56% is criminally low for a guy who's been historically really, really accurate. Um, and I don't know if there's another fourth game in here where he plays this badly, right? Like this is the point I'm trying to make of him bouncing back. I think if if he has played this poorly over the last three games, statistically, he has shown that he kind of typically bounces back. He did this earlier this year when he had, you know, good but not great games against Detroit, New Orleans, Chicago, and then went against Miami and Arizona and put up great individual statistics, which led to Vikings wins. So actually, I like the chances, even though it's primetime. I know, knock on wood, and honestly expose me here in five days if I'm dead wrong, but I think I like the chances of Kirk Cousins not playing as poorly as he has for a fourth straight game against the Patriots. I also agree with you in the fact that whenever his back is against the wall, whenever he doesn't look great, he typically responds well in a positive light to where the Vikings, they're typically going to win that game. I do like the Vikings' chances now because it's a must-win game for this team after that embarrassing performance last night. But I do think, and in defense of Kirk Cousins, everybody was bad. Yeah, Not just him, everybody. The offensive line. I know that, goodness, Christian Derrissaw, he was out. Brian O'Neill, he got pushed back. The whole interior offensive line, they were pathetic. Everybody played bad. But what I will say, to your point as far as, hey, Kirk Cousins, what's going on here, is that, okay, the play calling, not great by Kevin O'Connell. However, we have noted several times this season, Kirk Cousins has the power to audible. Okay, so we're going to do these long developing plays, play action under center. You don't have time to work with. You know what's happening up front in the trenches. Your guys are getting beat badly. You can audible and say, okay, shotgun, quick passes. Let's see what we can do with these type of plays. Instead, it just seemed like he was just going along for the ride. I never saw any points in time where Kirk said, hey, you know what? All these hand signals, let's change this. And the formation changed. I never saw that at all. It was, okay, coach said this. We're going to run it. You have the power to audible now. And he did not exercise that leadership. That's, yes, everyone was bad last night, but that was the most disappointing thing that I saw from Kirk Cousins last night. But I do think he'll bounce back on Thursday. You know, not not to go completely again back to the Cowboys game, but I thought someone who just had a horrible game, and if he catches that first touchdown, it's different as TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he drops he drops a just gimme of a touchdown. I, I'll give him a little bit of a pass in the next play. You know, I, I, I know... Romo was saying like, oh, he's got to make that cut faster because Kirk had that ball there. It's like, oh, I just think that was a misthrow from Kirk. I, just, I, don't, I don't think that was Hawkinson's fault for not breaking the route clean enough. I think it was just a misthrow. But he, he misses that touchdown. It's a completely different game if he catches that for six. Um, he had a penalty, too, that kind of derailed things. They featured him a lot. He had nine targets yesterday. 
um, in the loss. And I, I've loved what he have seen. This I'm not trying to downgrade of like, oh, now like get rid of him and this was a foolish trade. I love Hawkinson. I think he's going to be a great weapon and a secondary piece to Justin Jefferson here. Um, but and, and I again, I kind of like his chances. Probably bounce back against New England. Um, but if he catches that touchdown, it's a completely different game, right? Like it, we, we're looking at a completely different outcome most likely against Dallas, if you end up getting six and not having to kick the field goal for three. See, I disagree with you. I think that second drop was on him. And I understand Kirk could have made a better throw, but if you're TJ Hawkinson, who we all recognize as, okay, this is a highly talented player, and he can be one of the better tight ends in the league. And if that is the case, if you're one of the best players at your position, they make that play last night. Back-to-back plays, especially, it's not always going to be perfect throws. You got to make adjustments. That was inexcusable from him. I saw flashes of Irv Smith Jr. before my eyes, like never before, week two against Philly. You got to make that play. And you had two chances to do it, and you failed. However, I still love the trade. I think he's going to blossom for this team. But you know what? It's not going to be, it's not going to be peachy. The throws aren't going to be 100% accurate. If you are that damn good, as we all recognize, you make that play. You know, Justin Jefferson, I think, was battling a little bit of a turf toe going into that situation. Tom Pelissero reported that. And just a quiet day now, again, just a, when you're getting your butt kicked like that, like I, I don't look at the lack of targets as JJ as a complete concern. But man, if um, a turf toe, which can be a pretty dangerous injury and dangerous as, and I think we kind of just like sleep on it. Oh, it's his toe. Like it, it's fine. Like, no, that's a, that's a pretty significant injury. If that thing ends up festering up a little bit more and, and aggravating him and it limits your number one weapon, things now all of a sudden get really, 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 really dicey. Um, so I think monitoring him on Thursday's game and look, he loves the spotlight. I think he'll also have potentially a big game against, against the Patriots on Thursday night football. But that injury, probably something to watch a little bit, too, as I know they'll have like just a, like what one practice or in a walkthrough, essentially, because they'll be playing in 72 hours from now. Uh, but that's something too. I probably just something to watch as as we watch the Patriots game and as we linger through the second half of the season. I still think he made quite a few good plays last night, but I would in his defense, I want to see with a better offensive line, if they pass protect better on Thursday then what are we going to see from him? Because he's one of the last players that I'm looking at as far as saying, that's ridiculous, that's <laughs> unacceptable. Kirk Cousins got sacked seven times last night. If, if, if you don't have the protection to get your receiver those type of plays, whether he's dealing with a turf toe or he's completely healthy, then you're, you're not going to be successful. I want to see, as long as the protection is there on Thursday, I expect for him to still make plays. And also, like you mentioned, the toe turf injury, I dealt with that before. It, before that, I said, are you kidding me? Stop being soft. <laughs> Play through it. Damn it. This is football. Dude, I went through it, and I just said, oh, my God, I can barely walk. It's, it's a serious issue, but I still think he made good plays last night. But that offensive line, they didn't give him any opportunities to make any plays at all. No, not at all. Uh, Randy, we did a little bit of this last week. Uh, obviously, if the playoffs started today, the Vikings would be playing again, the San Francisco 49ers at home. Mm. And I feel like the stock is rising a little bit on them. I know I told you last week, I, they don't scare me as much. But I think also what, what we saw in the Cowboys game is how also San Francisco could beat you, beat you right? Like they, they have a ferocious pass rush. They have a new running back now in Christian McCaffrey, who's very dangerous when he's 100%. Um, they still scare me a little bit. I still like the Vikings' chances at home. But does that... Has, has, that, has that thought of San Francisco coming in here now kind of personified and kind of 
crescendoed for you of, man, if they play the 49ers at home, like that's still going to be a very tough matchup, and I would be sweating that a little bit if I was a Vikings fan. So when we talked about this last week, I said, I, you asked me, do you fear the 49ers? I said yes. And I said yes from the standpoint of, man, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be competitive. Maybe they can win, but if they lost, I wouldn't be surprised. The Minnesota Vikings, they're a tough team. It scares me even more after what I saw last night. Now, if the Vikings can figure out their mojo the rest of the way, okay. But what we saw last night from Dallas, that is exactly who the San Francisco 49ers are. They are tough personified. They're everything you want in any era of the National Football League. They are the team that makes any coach that's the head coach for that team. They're like, hell yeah, these are my boys. Great defense. You know what? Tough run game. They've got Debo Samuel. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think he's great. I think he's better than Trey Lance as far as if they're going to win games or win a championship. But it doesn't matter where they are. They can beat any team, any time, any place, whether it's at home or on the road. They're the last team that I want to see the Vikings face. So, yes, they they already scared me before last night. They scare me even more. Uh, do the Cowboys scare you more after seeing what, what they did to you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think good. I think what last week I said, no, I think we, I think we'll handle them pretty good. No, yeah. not because they have the blueprint on how to beat us because they did it themselves. So now I have to be scared of the Cowboys. Not a little bit. Uh, stock falling. I'm guessing a little bit on the New York giants after, after their loss yesterday. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not worried about them. Uh, their quarterback situation, Daniel Jones, he can be back and forth. Saquon Barkley, they're a bit limited. They they traded, what, Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs. They don't have the playmakers outside. I think the Vikings would handle them pretty easily. Uh, this team's getting a little momentum. I know the Vikings beat them a few weeks ago, but Washington Commanders. No. 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 Stop. I love <laughs> I can't. I love Heineke. Uh, I love his I love his mantra, but yeah. I, I, th- and that defense is pretty good. Like, that defense can play a little yeah. bit, for sure. Um. But if, if that game's a home game, yeah, I, I still like the Vikings' chances. Uh, Tampa Bay. No, I'm still not worried about them. Yeah. Not at all. I think Tom Brady, he's, he's father time is undefeated. I think he's met that, and I just don't see him having that magic anymore. I so, agree. no. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, they do anything still for you? I know that number one offense has sneakily been number one in the league, or in the NFC at least. Uh, what about Seattle? I'm still on the I'm not sure who they are trained yet. They're an intriguing team. I, I I think the jury is still out on them. I think the Vikings could easily lose to them. They could also easily beat them, but they're not a team that I'm going to sleep on. No. Okay. Uh, Randy, last thoughts here before we wrap up on realistic Randy rants when the Vikings play the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. You have to win on Thursday night. If you lose, you especially after you lost last night, if you lose again against the best coach of all time. Goodness, you've got 10 more days until you play again. That sulking feeling of defeat is going to linger on. It's going to be a lot harder to recover from versus, okay, short week to recover, to play the Patriots. You got to win. You have to, to get your confidence back the rest of the way. I'm with you, man. Uh, Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment right here on this YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button too on Realistic Randy Rants uh, for he has plenty of great stuff on his YouTube channel. Uh, to break down Vikings content. Uh, we'll be back again next week to uh, break things down. Appreciate everyone uh, watching and hit the subscribe button where you just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl, hopefully, before we die. Please.